Welcome to Podcast on Fire on the Tai Chi Master. The mythical origin points of Tai Chi and its creator get covered in high-flying fashion in Yun Wuping's The Tai Chi Master from 1993. I'm Kenny B, and with me is the man we owe it all to. He's uh, not a myth. Uh, his history can be tracked. It's very uh, publicly available and surely interesting enough for a biopic one day. The man who would be Asian cinema podcaster. You know, it's a movie in the making. Uh, he is Stuart Sutherland, anyway, of the Films and Swearing and Lager Logs podcast and our originator, our creator of the podcast on Fire Network. So welcome back, buddy. Hello. Yes, I am not just the... Die Hard Fuck Backdraft equals Hard Boiled Guy. That's still a great review. <laughs> quote, uh, like if, uh, if Die Hard Fucked Backdraft, we would get Hard Boiled. And uh, why the heck not? You know? mm-hmm. It's a nice little gr- sort of grindhouse quote uh, to get people Exactly. Into. If it wasn't out on DVD already, I've got my fingers crossed for the, the 4K release. I might still get that quote on the, the box art. Uh, otherwise, uh, you'll just have to be adept at Photoshop and make it happen <laughs> yourself. Like uh, I said, it it's reality, and uh, I've heard I... from various sources that Hardboiled is not the easiest film to locate a good yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, print of. I mean, it's on Blu-ray uh, both in Hong Kong and Japan, but I don't know if they are good enough prints. Uh, but uh, I, I have uh, have a couple of DVDs, had a VHS, I lost it. One laser disc, and I've got one laser disc incoming because I wanted the UK. Edi- <laughs> I wanted the UK edition. I have like the big Criterion Collection laser disc. That that's a very important release uh, with commentary and things like that. But the uh, UK, you know, in the UK, Totten squeezed the life out of Hard Boil, and they did one laser disc of it as well. So, mm-hmm. so, so I got that. But okay, I mean, you you created pod- the podcast on Fire Network and the podcast on Fire show, but you obviously have other shows out there in the ether, films and swearing and the logilogs. And the, the the funny thing is, with, uh, with when I have Tom here, when I when I ask him to sort of off the cuff promote the logilogs, he he gets stuck because he doesn't know when to stop talking. Uh, like he he needs someone to sort of say. That's good. You've done your job. So let's see if you're a more <laughs> swift salesman. I, I don't mind. I, I I like watching Tom sort of like, yeah, I don't know what else to say to you, really. Uh, mm-hmm. Logilogs. Starts with an L. And then there's another <laughs> L in there. Ends with an S. I don't know, Ken. I don't know what to say, really. Just keep, keep talking here. So uh, le- uh, let's um, in, uh, in- include the people in this. What is the Logilogs podcast? What do you do? It is like a beer review podcast. I am the co-host. A lot of the legwork is carried by Tom. Uh, it's legwork in two ways because a he's got like decades of drinking more on me, and even though he's five years younger than me, but this boy's down a lot more beer than I have. And two, he does the research every time we talk about a beer. He will tell you the history of the brewers, where the company the company's originated. Who bought? Who now owns it? Where you could find it? The styles of beer, and yeah, we do that for the first half. In the second half, we answer like listener questions, and obviously, as we drink the beer, we'll talk about the beer, saying, "Man, get what? This tastes like beer, doesn't it?" And then there's other times like, "Oh, I feel like I've just taken a big mouthful of a bonfire. What the hell?" <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus, that's a sounds like hot beer. But uh... yes, uh, I a porter could be quite smoky. I wasn't quite expecting that. And actually, as we're recording this podcast now, I'm waiting for a beer delivery. 
that should be due in the next 15 minutes that my good wife should receive on my behalf. Can't do podcasting drive. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the point is not to get uh, smashed on, on the show, right? Yeah, but well, it happens. <laughs> it definitely happens. I, like, I've been around during the fourth or fifth hour of, uh, of uh, Skype socializing. And where, where, when Tom is really into it, he's uh, yes. unstoppable when you reach that point. But you don't do four or five hour shows, though. No, these are lovely, nice, neat little episodes because it's just how long does it take to drink two beers? And you could be done in 40 minutes. I think the longest we've done is an hour, which due to the podcast we normally do, that that's your standard. But we think there's a giant excess of beer podcasts out there in the world some people would just want to listen to a show on their lunch hour that they could start and finish in that lunch hour. And the Lagalogs is kind of there to fill that gap. Excellent. little uh, plug-in for where people can find you. If uh, if you uh, Have you even a website set up or do you rely mostly on directing people to uh, the podcast uh, feeds? Uh, we do have a website because it's just kind of that mentality I have where you cannot have a podcast without a website. And it's also how we distribute it like, again. It's another tick on the Podcast on Fire website. Um, <laughs> the lagalogs.com is hosted on there uh, with like a WordPress that has all the, the podcast features built into it. So for social media is at the lagalogs for Twitter and Instagram. We don't have a Facebook. We don't want to kind of over just like we're on everything. Yeah, and, and, and Facebook isn't uh, very um, trendy. Look for us on TikTok. I was about to say, like Tom is uh, off uh, off the Utes, so he can do your TikTok for you. We're not there yet, but the most activity is on our Instagram because we share what beers we're drinking when we're not recording episodes. That is a wonderful angle and uh, very cool. I mean, I, I can't relate to it because I don't drink it anymore, but I'm hoping to get on there in a non-alcoholic fashion and still be and uh, and not be ridiculed and uh, teased and uh, and uh, made fun of uh, as a non-drinker yeah you know we won't do any of those all of the above i mean i'll, I'll curl into the fetal position right away and you can take my lunch money don't be mean to me we haven't said anything ken <laughs> paypal me your lunch money <laughs> uh very cool well um Let's get into it. We'll link to the log logs, obviously, and uh, so just for some brief contact information uh, from the Podcast on Fire Network for all your ne- Podcast on Fire Network needs. Go to podcastonfire.com. Uh, we have all the social media links at the top of, of the website, including uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, a link to our iTunes feed in the show post for this episode. You'll, you'll find the relevant links as well connected to Tai Chi Master and obviously to the log logs endeavors. So, um, Let's uh, let's get going. We'll take a short music break. Listen to a bit of the the, the majestic score that almost sounds like it's oh they reused the Wong Fei Hong score again, <laughs> but 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 it isn't. So like, if you're familiar with the music from the Tai Chi Master at the top of the movie and at the end of the movie, that's what we're gonna play for thirty seconds, and uh, we'll be back uh, soon after that.
And welcome back, and uh, we have a little simple show ahead of us, but therefore I'll give you a rundown of uh, what's to come. Uh, we got two sections here, which still means I'm going to present them briefly here, and there will be timestamps in the show post, so you can navigate uh, around the episode uh, from this to the review and so forth. Uh, first, we'll do some random but relevant trivia connected to Tai Chi Master, including its box office reception, and we then review and discuss the film, uh, me and Stuart. So... The Tai Chi Master from 1993 and plot from the Love HK film review of the film, Jet Li is Jun Bao, a Shaolin disciple who's expelled from the Shaolin temple with childhood friend Chen Bao, played by Qin Siu Ho. Uh, Chen Bao was the cause of their expulsion as his aggressive attitude placed him at odds with the rest of the temple. Jun Bao chooses friendship over life at the temple and the two strike out to become wandering kung fu practitioners. However, their eventual paths could not be more different. After striking up a tentative alliance with anti-government rebels, including uh, Michelle Yeoh's and Fenny Yun's character, Junbao and Chen Bao go their separate ways. Jet Li's character remains with the resistance, while Qin Su Ho joins up with evil eunuch Jin. The promises of wealth and power seduces Chen Bao, and even though he supposedly remains friends with Junbao and company, that lifelong union becomes jeopardized. Eventually, the two must square off against one another, and Junbao cannot defeat Chen Bao's iron palm technique, so he must come up with his own moves to counter the iron palm. So he invents his own new martial art. Guess what that's called? Wing Chun. I got the laser disc of Wing Chun recently. I've not seen oh, that. Of movie. course you have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't seen that Michelle Yeoh movie, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Some more Wire Fu stuff from Yun Wu Ping from the year after this one. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll do a podcast on that eventually. So some various tidbits uh, about the film. It was filmed in an, in and around Beijing, uh, including interiors at the Beijing Film Studios. Like the temple wasn't in Hong Kong or anything; it was at the Beijing Film Studios. So the production moved and uh, kept um, kept the Beijing kept to China. The movie is about the mythical creator of Tai Chi, but not much is known really about uh, the character of Shang uh, Jinbao. So it's not a biopic uh, as such. Uh, so you have creative freedom to do what you like. And Sammo Hung even played an elderly version of the great uh, master of Tai Chi in another Jet Li movie, Kung Fu Cult Master, aka mm. Evil Cult. Uh, reportedly, Donnie Yen was offered the role that Jet Li played, but he declined. The commentary states, though, that Yen was offered Chin Siu Ho's role. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually not sure of which one is correct, so I'll keep that fact open, and perhaps listeners can inform us which uh, role uh, Donnie Yen um, declined to. Uh, Jet, on the other hand, was in consideration to star in Crime Story, but due to the tragic accident um, um, incident rather, of his manager being gunned down by triads, uh, Lee opted out of a crime movie and went back into period martial arts territory when he was ready to um, to resume work again. And obviously a crime story was a Jackie Chan uh, starring vehicle in the end. Obviously it did, it, Tai Chi Master was familiar territory for Jet Li, having done his bit in expanding the 90s new wave wuxia film movement through his recurring role as Wong Fei Hong in the Once Upon a Time in China series and in the two Feng Saiyuk movies among other films. Qin Su Ho talked about uh, being approached by Yun Waping and uh, he was offered the bad guy role here but he liked the nuance. He liked how the character went from Shaolin monk to ruthless uh, general and he felt he had a grip on that uh, acting. He could do that uh, do those beats. Uh, he didn't find the action difficult as such but 
the process was difficult. He had a lot of uh, different costumes, and uh, it was heavy too. Uh, some of the costumes uh, were quite. Uh, the, the armor was heavy so mm-hmm. the process was harsh and long even if the techniques weren't difficult as such you know he said that he for instance was up on the log tower for like six or seven hours doing action and then they took a break for lunch and then back up again for a couple of more hours so you know even a short fighting scene would take days but the final fight uh, which is not on the log tower but the final fa- fight took about a month and a half Jeez, oh. and, that, and that was outside too so mm-hmm. uh, uh, not not a nice, uh, cool um, interior set or anything. Real soldiers of the People's Liberation Army uh, were hired for the big military camp sequences. A lot, a lot of extras. And I suppose uh, they, they were disciplined to withstand the heat of uh, summer. Uh, so they, they, they could be out there and uh, make those shots uh, look good. Uh, and uh, a lot of waiting in between setups, of course. Uh, Chin Suho said he, he, would, he, he liked to go down to that setting and watch all the soldiers. Uh, but... Being the co-star of the movie, he could sit uh, neatly under an umbrella eating watermelon, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, looking good, guys. Doing a good job. I'll come down there eventually when it's my turn. This was Michelle Yeoh's period martial arts movie debut, or it's really the year of, of uh, her making her debut in that type of movie because she had multiple movies in this vein that year, 1993. She appeared in Butterfly and Sword alongside Donnie Yen and uh, Wong Jing's uh, Holy Weapon which is a crazy little movie. A remake of King Who's Dragon Inn with her and Jet Li was prepared uh, like a, a year earlier or one or two years earlier. But after Jet's manager was tra- tragically gunned down, their participation uh, and the project was put to rest for, for the time being. And eventually Choi Hak produced a remake that went ahead, uh, but without Michelle Yeoh or Jet Li. So uh, Maggie Chung, Bridget Lee and Tony Leung. So it, it got some people in there. The movie Tai Chi 2, a.k.a. Tai Chi Boxer, is, uh, I haven't seen it, but it is reportedly unrelated, even though it's helmed by uh, Yun Wapping and stars uh, Wu Jing. Uh, but apparently it led to a Tai Chi Master TV series that uh, did involve Yun Wapping as director in some shape or form. Uh, uh, that was a UK DVD at one point, uh, Tai Chi Boxer, but I never did see it. I managed to grab a copy of it out of a second-hand shop. Still, yet to watch it myself. Well, uh, early Wu Jing, and uh, before he uh, made all the money, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the money <laughs> for Wolf yes, Warrior. So. Before he was the Wolf Warrior. Indeed. Uh, at one point, Tai Chi Master was stuck in Dimension Home Video Hell, the company Dimension, um, being um, only available really as twin warriors in the US. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. It was newly dubbed. It had some uh, trims, uh, plus a new score. Uh, about three minutes worth of cuts incl- that included a sequence where the monks uh, sleep on their heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, several of the comedic little sequences involving a crazy Jet Li uh, was uh, they were excised as well, like the the bit with the acupuncture needles uh, where he hits like laughing nerves and crying nerves. Uh, an additional scene between Michelle Yeoh and, and Yun Chun Yan where they strap Jet Li's character down as a way of healing him, but then he rises and walks with the bed board strapped to his back. Oh, the, like the Chinese vampire gag. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was cut as well. And, and the dinner scene where this crazy Jet Li character force feeds rice to Michelle Yeoh and uh, Yun Ching Yan and makes a mess out of him. So it was really like comedic and cultural beats to an extent that, that, that were given, uh, that, that were cut out because uh, Westerners might not know like how they're attempting to heal him. They're not bad cuts as such, but uh, you didn't have any option for many, many years. Uh, that, that was the problem. 
kind of shapes it in a more serious tone almost yeah yeah yes it does because uh, we, we we mostly have a little little bit of a darker revenge story but uh, uh and and there was a hong kong dvd yes but um it, it was still hard to own it in fairly good shape um and uh not everybody had access to hong kong imports or what have you so in hong kong the film made about 12.5 million hong kong dollars which it didn't uh, make it crack the top 10 of local films that year but uh, decent enough hit I suppose. Uh, Jet Li had three films in the, in the top 10 though Once Upon a Time in China 3, Fong Saiyok 1 and 2 but uh, all were trailing uh, si- sizably um, sort of massively even behind Stephen Chow's Flirting Scholar that claimed the top spot with 40 million Hong Kong dollars uh, that year and again Tai Chi Master had 12.5 it had no nominations, Tai Chi Master, at the Hong Kong Film Awards, but two at the Taiwanese Golden Horse Awards, Best Editing and Best Action Choreography. That was uh, handled by Yu Mo Ping, his brother Yun Cheng Yan, and uh, Ku Huan Chu. So that's the uh, random trivia. So uh, I gathered this as uh, uh, it was not a completely fresh watch for you. You had seen this uh, w- once or twice throughout the years, right? Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've realized I own several versions of this back in the day because I did get a copy of it on tape as Twin Warriors just taped off of Sky Movies and then discovering that there was this other cut obviously the Tai Chi Master cut I eventually sought out an old Tai Chi Master VCD which obviously gave me the full film but obviously you had the white burnt-in subtitles and at the time I couldn't figure out the two-way audio so I'd be watching it in Cantonese and Mandarin simultaneously. Uh, eventually opted out and got the Hong Kong DVD. And I think just after buying that, I was shortly sent an email asking if I'd like to review the Cine Asia UK DVD. Yeah, they got the, the distribution rights to a Dragon Dynasty title. So if you buy it mm-hmm. in the UK, you have Cine Asia Presents, Dragon Dynasty, blah, 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 and so forth. So... It, it started out as an American special edition and then um, uh, they got, uh, got into the UK that way. I have seen it a fair few times and it's one of those ones, I love it because it's just that little bit different from the other 13 films he'd done in 1993. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tremendous fun, I think. It's uh, fast-paced, well-produced, uh, well-shot. Mm-hmm. It has some frenzied action, but also a lot of grounded action. Uh, so they, they pick and choose their wire-assisted uh, moments uh the suitable dips into humor i think is very funny at points uh those trims I, I i i like having them in for me it's an essential entry in that new wave kung fu craze of the 90s it really stands out uh, uh i think viewers would appreciate the creativity and clarity that yun Ping and his action team provides uh, because some action directors didn't provide that clarity which was good and bad and i think uh in this one i think you can see Jet Li becoming more and more assured including uh comedically I feel like the, the choreography was so complex as well. You, you mentioned earlier how Jin Su Ho had such a time doing the, the, the log fight, the tower. And just when watching that, I was like, think how long it took to put that together, put the people in the wires to choreograph a fight around it. And even to the point where they're implementing logs from the tower. So that's been taken into account. You've got Michelle Yao strapped up in the top, crucified somehow, and then... Take into account that the whole wuja elements so pulling flying around, weapons flying around. There's a ton of shots to do, and they need to yes. be done correctly because Yomo Ping isn't uh, about to slack off or anything. Mm-hmm. And then imagine the editor getting all this footage to write, make it work. Yes. 
<laughs> I mean, it's funny following Yomo Ping uh, because uh, obviously he came out of making old school movies and then started making modern films with guns to a degree, but martial arts action to a larger degree still, you know, in the line of duty, Tiger Cage 1 and 2, two especially with uh, sword fights even towards the end. But but it went into new wave martial arts times as well because the, that year we had Iron Monkey to a lesser degree Heroes Among Heroes, uh, quite a, an, an unseen Donnie Yen movie. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's a Wong Fei Hung movie, but it's not him that plays yeah. Wong Fei Hung. But uh, it's really not been represented well on on video as such, so uh, people tend to forget it. Uh, and also, as we mentioned, uh, uh, the year after, Yung Ping did Wing Chun, Fire Dragon with uh, Bridget Lin. So he went into that uh, full on and, uh, you know, mixing grounded period martial arts with uh, wired up high-flying martial arts as well. And for me, this was an early exposure to this kind of action for me because I saw this on TV. Uh, I'd been blown away by John Woo's style of action and then getting to find out this style of action existed too. It was very new. It was very fantasy-oriented. Knowing the genre now and exploring it, there was a lot of these movies that could put on a decent costume and production design show but you can also see some movies just churn them out in the wake of the success of Once Upon a Time in China. This isn't one example of that. I think it looks like a production that wanted to look good and feel good rather than get out while the get it out while the genre was hot. You know. Yeah, that's it. Like whilst this could fall into, as you said, several films that year that came out, the the fact that they had Michelle Yeoh in it. Like she, to me, is like Hong Kong cinema royalty. When there's a film with her in it, it's already leaps and bounds above others, in my opinion, because she's just such a brilliant actress in any any film she in, she just raises it. And the fact that seeing some of her early work, as we said, like Butterfly and Swords, Wing Chun, and this one, we get to see her as like a more vulnerable character as well she isn't just a strong warrior but she's like this woman singing in a bar well playing the music and just trying to get back her her husband who's clearly left her for this this wee floozy and it's just like as a, a vulnerable character for her she the, the the grace is something i'll get to because um she really suits uh this type of action movie like uh having her da- dance background is uh, still, you know, we, we still get an infusion of grace into this one. But, um, you, know, you know, if we go back a little bit to um, the beginning of the movie, if Wong Jing would have had this, we would have had a serious scene at the top of the movie and then cut to goofing off. And especially if children were present. They are here, but Yu Mo Ping is not taking that easy way out, you know, easy way into commercialism by having the children, you know, picking their nose and slipping in poo and being naughty <laughs> kids, you know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. not. They're, uh, the little actors they get are extremely skilled and they're naughty to a degree, but these are charming beats about teaching the kids the value of life, you know, uh, teaching teaching them Buddhism, uh, Buddhism even plant lives you know so there's a wonderful little scene where one of them gives uh, a branch to shelter their elder master from the sun but he doesn't quite get it by taking that branch and breaking it off the tree he's 
disrupting uh, the flow of natural life, you know, and he doesn't get it because he's young. So Yuma Ping isn't, you know, doing the waka waka stuff or anything, yeah, which is appreciated because as much as I love Wong Jing, when I can predict him, it's not always a good thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, they start off with a big, like, battle scene and his action director is doing some violent stuff and then enters, you know, the comedic actresses and the comedic actors. So, and even him, who knows, because he, he costs himself. But uh, this movie isn't um, isn't doing commercialism that way. You know, it's a little bit of a movie. It's always a, a good thing when they don't make kids annoying in these movies. When starting the film, I couldn't figure out how I was going to watch it. I was like, do I take it easy and watch it dubbed? Or do I just pay attention and read the subtitles? Because you're a parent, you might... I've got 90 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Let's get this done fast. Exactly. So I started the film with the dub on and the English subtitles, just kind of seeing how bad is this dub. And it turns out it is a really lazy dub in the sense that the the, the first sequence where you have the, the master bringing Tianbo to the temple and it's like this long conversation about why we can't have meat... It's just this whole, like whole back and forth to see them walking from the street to the temple and then introducing them into Junbao. But with the English dub on, silence. Like There's three or four lines of subtitles come and go. And by the time the, the teacher reaches the gate with the child, he asks, are you doing okay? Yes, sir. And then he hands him a cross, completely ignoring this whole conversation on why they don't eat meat. <laughs> and I was like, that was so lazy. Yeah, they weren't necessarily known to produce like the high, the highest quality dubs yeah. I ever dimension uh, because uh, obviously they took care of uh, a lot of Jet Li movies, whether Fist of Legend or uh, or the Fung Sayok movies and so forth uh, back in the day. So it's not like Studio Ghibli type of A level casting here. <laughs> and that's even when it came to them practicing the martial arts and how there's a name for every move, every move they do, the subtitles would bring up as like. I don't know, something like The Fairy Cometh was one of them I, I'm trying to remember. But in the dub, it was just, it's like, yeah, so it's just throwing grunts. And it was like, oh, but I eventually did just stick with the dub just because it was silly and I am also lazy. But it was just funny to see how different it was. It's it's sort of part of home video history, I suppose. And, Definitely. Uh, you know the strengths of the movie. It's it sounds like the strengths of the movie actually still uh, broke through uh, rather than like uh, this sucks. Uh, I, I remember this being good. What is going on here? It's not like it uh, turned uh, turned around completely uh, completely for you. And for, thankfully now we have the options. We didn't have the options uh, uh, back in the day on the same disc. Uh, that is that was it. I mean, when the bubble first broke for me, realizing that a dubbed language track. And a subtitled uh, Cantonese movie were giving out completely different dialogue. Was watching uh, Fist of Fury. I had taped, I think, Thunderbolt. It was like a movie marathon on Channel 4. So it was Thunderbolt with Jackie Chan. So I recorded that, went to bed. After Thunderbolt, it, it went on to like Fist of Fury in Cantonese. So it was recording the first half an hour of that, and then the tape finished. And I remember just watching Fist of Fury reading the lines of dialogue and by that point I'd already memorized the dubbing and I thought this doesn't sound right and I was literally swapping tapes between my UK dub tape watching 10 seconds and taking that tape out putting in my recorded tape watching in Cantonese like they're saying different things 
I don't even have the patience to do that anymore. But that era of discovery of how everything changes for the good, for the worse. Sometimes simplification is not a bad thing, but I don't think those dimension dubs, as we said, were really revered or anything for their for their take on matters. You know. Yes. Ah, at least we didn't have our characters called James and Thomas. Yeah, very much so. Oof. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, there, there's some uh, some uh, foreshadowing, of course, of Chin Si Ho's character. But the, the movie never really does foreshadowing terribly. I I, I like that he has a little sly smile to his uh, character. He's curious about other things, uh, but but they're still friends and they're they're, they're, they're strong lads because. Uh, one of their punishments is to smash bricks across their hard oh, heads. Oh, I love that scene. And they do, but but the bricks, the the bricks uh, break like uh, they're just like they're made from flour. Exactly, because their heads are that hard. So they're having a conversation as they smash bricks on their heads, and I, I, I like that. It looks so um, casual. They're having a chat. This is not really a, a punishment because uh, they they can sleep on their heads, and therefore they've developed a quite a hard shell there but mm-hmm. uh, there's some really cool techniques here as the movie transitions here I, I like the little series of shots of like w- one of the monks uh, practicing uh, on the ground and uh, you see leaves rising and then he punches a stone uh, or a stone pillar and then the other side bursts and then you know he's practicing the Buddhist palm technique and those series of shots practicing leaves that a punch and then you know the, the explosion uh, on the stone pillar I, I like that stuff from the nineties. It is really cool for the movie. It looks cool as assembled uh, too, and and even as we go into that big tournament scene that uh, acts as who gets to develop their studies further at the Shaol, uh, Shaolin Temple. I, I don't know if you sort of noticed that the movie is still keeping it grounded and only doing wire assisted feats every now and again for like spins and a little bit of exaggerated kicking, but they're not flying. Aye, exactly. At most, when it gets wacky, is like when they're having their dinner after or before it, and they're being like they're either tripping Jet Li's character, so he drops the rice, but does a dramatic slide recovery and saves the food. But they tend to actually hold it back during the, the actual fight scenes, the the bouts, the tournaments. It's not like they fly up to the ceiling and start going crouching tiger. I, I like that mixture, and uh, as the commentary stated, having a free persons on the action team the fact that the movie mixes high flying and grounded might be a reflection of that that uh, each action director is bringing a little bit uh, of a different vibe to the table i don't think that's a a bad thing because i I like when it goes big and i like when it keeps it uh, grounded and certainly keeps it on the coherent side i mean it's versus someone like ching sudong who directed duel to the Mm -hmm. death a chinese ghost story and uh, has done action direction on uh, dragon inn and uh, butterflying sword even his style was so frantic and so frenzied and downright incoherent. I love it because I think it reveals some crazy creativity, but it's really, really hard to follow. This doesn't happen here. Just because we were in that era of uh, of waifu, not everybody did this. So this team that Yumo Ping has, they're, they're working a little bit more on the coherent side, even when depicting bigger skills and um, you know later when the monks are going to be expelled all the other monks form this human wall where they're on with pole, poles and and they're surrounding Jet Li and Chin Su Ho but I never got the sense that uh, I'm confused as to where 
I am in the scene or anything like uh, that. And it's really, th- there's a lot of physical stuff they need to do here. And it can't be easy, even on wires, to stack people like that. And it's the type of scene that stands out to me and really stood out back in the day. Like, oh my God, what is this? I, I, I like the guns being shot, but this is not my jam. <laughs> Even those shots where they're fighting the students with the poles, and it's like I think it was one of the slow motion shots, and it just shows you like Jet Li and Chin Su Ho having to deflect the poles being thrown at them, and like they're either punching and kicking them, and just thinking how manic a shot that should that probably was, but these two guys come across looking so cool whilst doing it. And, and our, our genuine martial artists too, which we get a chance to see. So it's not like uh, either, of, we, we know that, but uh, depending on the action director you're working with, it might not be very visible. So uh, the, the fact that both Chin Su Ho and Jet Li skills are kind of on full display here uh, and we get larger sequences as we go along, I think is a neat structure. And also, Stuart, it's not a slow and stoic martial arts movie, but, you know, because uh-huh. it, it's it's a simplified story, but it involves decently as as Chin Su Ho's character. Obviously, it goes to the dark side, uh, but the, the movie has snap and pace and uh, the, the, it had audience appeal. It was commercial. So being in and out in 92 minutes. Oh, it's a dream. Like nowadays, this could have been like a three part Star Wars esque saga. <laughs> the first film could have finished with Chin Su Ho's character uh, betraying the rebels. And then you're just left a year to wait and figure out how, what's going to happen. And you'll have the middle movie with Jet Li's character losing his mind. I could see it happening, Ken. Thankfully, this was the 90s where they thought, no, <laughs> we need this out next week. But it never feels overstacked, though, even when he does humour, which I think it does very well. There's some sly, sort of quick humour here, rather than the type of humour. At one point, they tried to hide, and I think they've met up with either Fanny Yoon or Michelle Yeoh. I think it's Fanny Yoon. And uh, they're, they're chased, uh, the bald monks are chased, and uh, all of a sudden they disguise themselves as other people by sticking hair and beards on themselves. And we've seen those styles before in films. Like There's these kung fu films, you've always seen someone with those horrendous bad haircuts. So to see them comedically pull off, which the, the ponytail taken from the horse's arse quickly slapped up on their faces to give them some comedic sideburns, goatees and a fringe. It was brilliant. And, and it really, uh, it doesn't like slowly creep up on you. They, they, places, they place uh, us in this quite quickly. And I didn't mind that either. It, it wasn't tonal whiplash as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they do the dips into humor very well, including in extended sequences. Uh, you know, then looking at Michelle Yeoh's introduction as uh, she's obviously uh, can't get her husband back, as you mentioned. And uh, one of the things I remember from my first viewing out of all action beats that I thought like that looks cool is how they wire up the tables when the tables go spinning kick them then spin they, they, they spin on the ground but they obviously need to be wired up how Michelle Yeoh then you know takes flight as well and uh, ends up with the table legs as stilts you know as the sequence goes bigger and bigger I, I thought that was so clever and so fascinating to see ideas yeah, that's it. It's one of those things like that's someone's imagination that's thought, you know what, let's actually use the table, turn it around. It's, it's just the thought, the creativity that goes behind it to make these films stand out from the ones that came out before it. And just how they always seem to level each other up. Like the next one gets better than the last. And, and, and there's no really like frantic 
cutting where the spinning and such here there's, there's a sense of clarity as i said and uh, I, I really like how michelle yo comes off uh, uh badass but graceful as well and uh, they also do like further comedic beats that aren't telegraphed uh, like after the scene where michelle yo is uh, rescued she's uh had a little bit of a uh, little bit of a head injury so she she's mm-hmm. a little bit wobbly so jet lee needs to sort of keep her up but he can't touch her because uh, his uh, his fear of uh, breaking, you know, her, his vows uh, yes. as a Buddhist monk means he can't touch her. So at one point he has her on her back, who just sort of leaves her wobbling in the middle of the room for a bit while dispatching other persons. And uh, I was reminded of them when I watched this this time around, being very impressed with them the first time around. That uh, so, so Michelle Yeoh's introductory sequence is really. Um, a bit of a classic scene for for me, and uh, really makes it tremendous fun. That Chinsu Ho like journey from good to bad, it it is fast tracked. It isn't meant to be like emotionally poignant or anything. Uh, but you know, knowing the performer, knowing where he starts, where he ends up, uh, knowing him from other movies, he, he, you know, it's a fun to see him played super bad, being seduced by by money and uh, being bloodthirsty and uh, power and wealth being the Darth Vader of this uh, this uh, little, little 90 minute story speaking of Star Wars Star Wars in multiple parts like uh, we, we we see him from Anakin to Darth Vader in 90 minutes so. <laughs> uh, you know you, you, was it fun seeing him um, tackle this and uh, chew a little bit of scenery too yes definitely it's, it's what I was wondering where you said it, it where he has this smile where it, it's a confident smile, but it, it's just, it's got that little edge to it where it's like, this boy can turn evil. You know, there's something more to this character. But yeah, sure, he is kind of the cheeky kid from the start, like from his introduction, where Jet Li's character has seniority over him, but already he's like, wait, I'm taller than you. There's no way I'm, I'm like bound down to you. You call me senior when no one else is around. It's like, when no one's around, I'm in charge, right? And it just kind of sticks to that. And it also just plays on the innocent of uh, Jet Li's character, Junbo, where he'll be like, fair enough, like, this guy's just like me. And he just gives them a chance. As they go on to be, like, their kung fu practitioners, they're like a team. And when they come to that crossroads where Tianbo sees the opportunity for his career path to go to, to obtain power, to obtain wealth, and Jinbo's just happy enough where he is. Like just making money on the street, helping out whilst the the rebels. But I don't think he thinks of himself as a rebel. He's just like it's like a Robin Hood thing. He's just helping out people in need. I, I like the journey. My only real problem with the film, and but but you let it go, is that yes, it's ninety minutes, and some things feel a little bit fast tracked. Uh, you you don't notice necessarily that um, there there are time cuts here to suggest that quite a bit of time has passed because uh, a few scenes later Chin Su Ho is obviously in, in the military has risen through the ranks and uh, has a full head of hair yes so, uh, that's it it's a little bit like well they need to speed this up I get it but um, mm-hmm. it, it's not like they do a uh, six years later or anything uh, and, exactly uh, I had a slight problem but I got over it with, with Jet Li sort of being so blind to seeing how his evil ways his evil ways yeah and that path is um is not good for him. At one point, he sort of turns a blind eye to Chin Su Ho's character killing someone because, uh, well, I'm I'm with my body. Like he's he's, he's not yes, that bad. Yes, exactly. He's already in the military at that point, and he, he sort of does a favor. So it's almost Jet Li just like 
kind of shrugs it off because he knows what would happen if that guy was going to rat out the rebels. It's almost, he was polarised, but it's, oh, my pal's here. How are you doing? Oh, you took care of that. That's good. Uh, I'm just going to get on my horse and go back now. And and I realise I think they made that choice to not uh, to not linger on it and to make it uh, a big dramatic piece. Uh, but uh, you know, if you, if you were to sort of say, well, the foundation is a little bit shaky, but it's moving along quite well, and it's it's so much fun. And then we're into action again, and some long takes in the weapons action with Michelle Yeoh, for instance. I really like when they're on the red uh, on the red mat and surrounded by all those uh, soldiers and. Uh, it's and even Fanny Yun, to be honest, who uh, she's not known as a martial artist, but she's really well utilized in Gung Ho. They don't cut to a lot of obvious stunt doubling here. Like, uh, it's not like other movies where Maggie Chung or Tony Leung just sits down in the frame after having done impossible physical feats. There, if you study yeah. this movie a little bit, you can see Michelle Yeoh is capable, we know that, but Fanny Yun is put into a position to try and deliver power, and she does. The stuntmen aren't falling over. At the slightest touch or anything. Uh, so they really sell that um, well. And uh, I've never seen that from her. I'm more familiar with her, I believe, from you know so, some more Cinema City teen movies. But I believe she was in um, Ringo Lamb's uh, School on Fire. Uh, one of the s- central roles there. which oh, is obviously, one of the students. Yes, I believe so. Uh, the main student. And uh, obviously a way different role and um, challenging roles. Uh, Role. And even, by the way, amidst all of that uh, bloodshed with all the soldiers, with Michelle Yeoh and Jet Li and so forth, you have Yun Chung Yan here, uh, Yun Woping's brother. Yes. And his comedic beats, for me, Stuart, I don't know what you think, I think works very well, for instance, when he plays uh, dead amidst all the uh, bloodshed. Yes, it's, oh, it's hard not to belly laugh. Be- because it's a risky venture to do yes. that comedic beat there. In the middle of all this chaos, is like, fuck it, I'll play dead, throw down. And it's just how he, he has like this this moral guilt, this compass where he's like, oh, I should really help out. And then he, he'll grab the sword, slash a couple of people, then quickly, like a possum, drop dead, put the sword tucked under one arm, and the sword's just bouncing back and forth as he's dead. It's like taking the blood off of like his fallen comrade, like slapping his cheeks with the red blood going, yeah, okay, that looks good. Play dead a bit more. I can swear there's another big movie where that happens, uh, like a classic Hong Kong movie, but I can't... Yeah. yeah, Like, the image is so... I feel like it's it's a Stephen Chow gag. I feel I've seen it something like that before. But even when there's, like, the moment where he's playing dead, but everyone's running over his hand. (laughs) And he's, like, stay dead, but he's freaking out because of pain. <laughs> but he, he's also actually quite a seasoned uh, actor and comedic actor. He was used to broad effect in his brother's films. I mean, he's one. Of, he's the grandma in the Miracle Fighters uh, versus uh, Lungayan, <laughs> so he's in drag. But uh, he's the he, he's uh, he has the buck tooth uh, or buck teeth in uh, like Shaolin drunk god and Taoism drunk god. So he's that character. But I always like Yun Ching Yang. I think he looks great here. Like, um, yeah. I mean, he's a comedic character, but I really like how uh, the, the the hair piece they put on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I, he kind of looks... Uh, he looks like he could be kick-ass, but he's uh, the butt of jokes and butt of physical displeasure. <laughs> and it, it's very funny. It'd be hard... Well, I was going to say, it'd be hard to try and censor his comedy, but look at the, the UK release, <laughs> or the US release. <laughs> he's probably hardly in the film at that point. I think... Any movie, Stuart, that can get away with a kick in the groin gag, 
that I didn't see coming and laughed at. I think deserves props because the when he tests his reflexes by 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 hitting his knee, the the dumb Jet Li who is like oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's did, in did a show. Did I do that? And his reflexes means that Yunshun Yang gets gets kicked in the balls, and yes. it's hysterical. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's just like a series. It's like kind of like a montage of or like series events over time of Jet Li's character healing, but it's at the expense of Young Chun Yan and Michelle Yao. As you said, like when they're almost trying to get him to eat foods and it's almost like they're they're doing it in steps as if you're trying to coax a child to eat a meal. Where you grab your spoon, dip it in the bowl, lift it to your mouth And and then he lifts it to their mouths. Yes. And What's it, it's Michelle Yao gets it at first, and Young Chung Yang just laughs, and then he gets a face full of rice. He's <laughs> <laughs> really rather delightful. I mean, uh, but, but by that point, I think I always liked comedic beats with Jet Li in the Once Upon a Time in China series because that character Wong Fei Hung, he he knew being Wong Fei Hung, but he didn't know uh, Western customs or new things like that, and that made for great comedy there's a bit in the first one where i think he's attempting to say uh, thank you thank you and he sort of blurts out i kill you i kill you <laughs> instead just thinking he said the right thing to the westerner but they don't make it a wah, wah, wah moment and, and and i think he looks very assured here playing uh dumb for a bit crazy and dumb and uh, it's it leads to some very nice visual gags like the him jumping around with the board strapped his back, they, they tried to tie him down and tried to get him to rest as they treat him. And I think that's a wonderful visual gag, like, dink, 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 dink. <laughs> there's not a lot of Hong Kong movies that can, you know, m- m- make a five, ten minute sequence like that a highlight. I realize why it's cut, because it uh, mm-hmm. contains some both some broad comedy, but also some uh, hints at uh, the Chinese... Uh, medicine treatment they're trying and maybe the dubs dub forth like well chinese audiences will get this but it's a it's a bit of a steep climb for western audiences to get in such short time you know it's not an instructional film and we can't do an instructional film here so you know it's it's a cultural beat and i think that's not a bad cut but um, as i said when you don't have an option for many many years it's kind of bad don't have a tr- tremendous amount of more notes uh other than i suppose uh it, i think it's tremendous fun to see jet lee discover his uh his tai chi mastery uh you know his uh his uh, movement using the ball and uh you know trying to push the war uh the ball down the water barrel but obviously it springs back and he has he develops a, a very circular type of uh movement and i think that's a tremendous uh Fun. Obviously, they they play up the fantastical with him generating wind and so so much so, so much leaves that come to him. So he creates this leaf ball, and uh, you know he's in tune uh, with nature. Figure out how the hell you done that? That looked really impressive. Like, I'm sure though there is some magical choreography puts it or special effect, but it just it just looks amazing the way that like his power kind of captivates and just capture these leaves. And then by the end of it, he's kind of got that clear radius of where he's wiped everything away, where all the leaves have dropped from him. It's not the most common sort of technical uh, aspect in these movies. So you're right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really neat how they um, how they uh, develop that and how they execute that uh, technically. I'm sure that's not easy either. 
Uh, yeah. So, um, so, so he's sort of a soft flow, like like water, like Bruce Lee would say, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Versus eventually, Chin Su Ho's very pointy aggression is leads to further nice fighting scenes, and I don't have any further notes on 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 the fight scenes because I, I think it's worthy of uh, of discovery. But um, it never dips, it never slows down, it never sags, and it's mm-hmm. it's got its. Uh, comedic heart in the right place because uh they they got to me and uh that requires a director of notes and so, sometimes perhaps yuma ping isn't uh, noted for his direction as such but i think he, he clinches it uh here clinches the basic story allows us to have fun and yes it's deadly serious but it isn't um strange contrasts in light and dark necessarily and 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 i find that uh, adds up to the tremendous fun that tai, tai chi master represented then and still does for me no definitely one of the things i did love about the, the action sequences is the attention to detail that they add uh, to things that you don't normally see especially there's like a sword fight between jet lee and Jin Ho's character i think it's the, the log tower sequence and it's the sword that jet lee has by the time they've clashed swords several times and they, they, they lock swords at the tower, Jet Li's sword has several big chunks taken out of it because obviously the weapon Chin Su Ho's character's using was obviously, I guess, stronger. But it's just to see the details, like the intensity of the locked swords and the blade that Jet Li has is not ripped to shreds, but there's chunks taken out of it. And it's kind of little things like that. You've never you never normally see a sword broken down and even when they fight when the blade snaps but i think it's chinsu ho's sword that snaps and they kind of come to that standstill where one grabs the blade and the other one has the blade in the shoulder i don't know it's just something about it where it's like it gives a extra little edge to it. it 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 does become a little bit of a bloody film at time like i feel there's two or three sequences where chinsu ho's finished by getting a mist of blood sprayed across his face on two or three occasions in this film where it's just like this is this boy's getting dark yeah there's some impalements uh, here as uh chin Ho becomes the but never does the <laughs> yes but he, he is that character but they it's an acting beat that's way too easy to sort of just lean on lean on but they they don't do that i mean it's not the greatest dramatic thing like give, give him all the awards but Points for just varying it up and uh, reeling yeah. it in somewhat, and uh, he's uh, you know as 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 listeners uh, know, and you certainly know, he never really did get a massive breakthrough, despite having all the tools in the toolbox to uh, to to break through. He's been a little naughty boy on the side as well, so that maybe did not help. Uh, but um, uh, because uh, he did some uh, he did some panty peeping in his days, yes, <laughs> apparently. Anyway. I I remember those. Uh, Hearing those stories back on the old uh, podcast on fire message boards way back when. Because you wrote them, Stuart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Chin Tu Ho was always like one of those kind of go-to actors I love. But I think I'm a bigger fan of Chin Carlock, his younger brother. And it's just because he would pop up in so many favourite films of mine as well. Like even showing up in like the Young and Dangerous films, the latter half of the series bringing in the cars. I think it was Big Head they called them. Yes, he uh, came out of prison in five. The one Jordan Chan isn't in, so they had to have someone else there, I suppose. Yeah, and that's always the easiest way to introduce someone in a triad series. Oh, I just got let out of jail. That's why I wasn't in the first four films. Did you ever see, by the way, switching back to Chin Su Ho, uh, 
in, in latter roles because he's still acting and and uh, he, he looks great still and uh, when given material I think he responds so did you ever see Rigor Mortis yes I was movie? hoping you were going to say that where, where he sort of plays himself he plays an actor <laughs> I think his name Chin Su Ho but it isn't a comedic movie it's a dark essentially a dark hopping vampire movie featuring the guys from the hopping vampire movie sans Lam Ching Ying obviously Yes, definitely. It was I was a review title that I got sent to me for the Rigor Mortis got a UK release uh, a lot later after it came out. But I was pleasantly surprised to see Chin Su Ho was in the film, and because that's it, he's got the history with like Mr. Vampire, and I think he appeared in a couple of the either the spin-offs or the later sequels. Like this boy is Chinese vampire history. So if you're doing was it uh, Juno Mack directing? Yep. So it was great that he, he had like, the foresight to kind of include these people in it as well. Did Anthony Chan go in that one? As- yes, he was. Uh, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was someone else there. And we're going to stop right there because I need to, uh, uh, I need to cure, uh, before I say the, the name, I need to get it right as well. So Rigor Mortis. And yeah, yes, you had like Kara Hoy was in it, uh, and uh, Richard uh, Richard M uh, was in it. Uh, he's all he's all, uh, the one that's often on the posters, looking like a monster, and that is Richard M. So uh, who, who's a uh, sort of a veteran of Mr. Vampire as well? He was in in the third one, so uh, yes, of uh, course. But uh, it, it was really nice to see that uh, he he wasn't sort of uh, useless as an actor in his older uh, years. Uh, because the, the, those looks in that presence still means that that, that can car- be, be carried uh, over to the new millennium, certainly uh, when Rigor Mortis was made as um, as well. So uh, it was really nice um, to see. So uh, he, he pops up uh, every now and again. I haven't seen that Vampire Cleanup Department, but I really want to. I really like the sound of that. Oh, yeah, I, I remember hearing that a few years ago. I think it was like festival circuit. And just hearing the title and the concept, I thought, that is a smart new direction for Chinese vampires to go. So, And uh, that, that one has uh, Yun Ching Yan and uh, Richard M as well. So, uh, But I never got around to it. But I do. Uh, I do want to because uh, uh, short for uh, all, all the three letters, VCD. So so get, get it on VCD, <laughs> I suppose. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, the only other note I have, uh, I only noticed this this time around. So an early sequence just before we see Jet Li and Chin Su Ho try out uh, earning money as street performers, which uh, which they can, they, they, they you know they they can act being beat up by someone who pays to strike them fifty times because uh, that won't hurt them. But as the camera sort of pauses, uh, it, 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 the camera is in uh, this uh, tea house, and you hear someone yell "human meat bun," yes. and and someone who's eating. Uh, buns they spit it out and <laughs> I've, i'm thinking this must have been because the, the untold story was out earlier that year the story of anthony wong's character murdering people and uh, turning their meat into uh, meat buns so, yeah. so i'm thinking that was uh you were paying and the script writers uh, getting a uh, very relevant joke about a category three movie that, that is not a period movie into this uh this period movie as a little throwaway guy never picked it up before but maybe translations weren't uh, on the ball uh, as much as this one is but it is really a throwaway moment we don't sit w- for a minute with these guys oh my god there's human meat in this is it is it not i don't know and then <laughs> it's, it's a it's a one-liner and then they just pan away from them 
the fact that there's a a little hidden fourth wall jab in there is amazing. Yeah, for for a movie that was sort of high profile, it won an award, the Untold Story Acting Award for Anthony Wong, but um, you wouldn't expect it in um, in uh, this one. I mean, in the, uh, in Fung Sayok, for instance, they they they. they they reference something that has to do at least sort of with the genre they're doing at one point Fung Sayok says that I am called Wong Jing instead of doing <laughs> like the Wong Fei Hong and connected yeah. to that and that yeah Wong Jing and Waifu and yeah it all makes sense not yeah. tracking to a horrible true life crime movie <laughs> thing, a great true life crime movie for horrible horrible crime so um Tai Chi Master went uh, the untold story route uh, in, that, in that regard. So. Uh, but uh, that's the end of my notes. So, and anything else you want to say before we talk availability? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm tapped out. The one point of trivia is, obviously, I, I think I got it wrong. But when you mentioned there about that sequence where they were being street performers and they managed to rope in one punter, who was obviously some sort of wealthy official who could just throw money and even has like his servants attack these guys to get their punches in. I could have swore that was Paul Chun. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he, uh, I know, I know who you're talking uh, talking about, but he isn't listed in the very sparse uh, cast list on Hong Kong Movie Database. So um, uh, a good um, a good look like, but uh, I don't think it is no. Yeah, and that's it. He's in like the. The, the period makeup as well so he, he's got like the big mustache and that so it's, it's easy to kind of mistake him for someone else but i could have swore the eyes but when it changed to a side shot you realize it wasn't him and uh, at, at one point in that sequence there everyone are trying to beat up jet Li and chin Suho's character and obviously they they're they won't feel any pain so they, they sort of huddle up uh, as uh, everyone are beating them uh, 360 or, or, uh, across them and they're, they're just sitting there having a little chat. Counting again. money. Yeah, exactly. This, this is brilliant. <laughs> so uh, those are nice little downplay comedic touches, uh, actually. Uh, so they, they do a few of those. That's where it kind of where it's shot from, say, like two angles. Like even when they're back in the temple and their upper body are sitting, having dinner, eating rice. And then their lower bodies, they're having a full-on like leg fight. And there's a few of these sequences where it just kind of shows their skills where they can look calm and collected. It's like a duck in water, still calm and collected, underneath, furiously beating away. And in a movie industry, there was movies so quick and movies were being churned out left and right to sort of stop and try and create good comedic moments and, and get that exactly. right. It's, it's not the most common thing with uh, Hong Kong movies. Again, directors like Wong Jing leaned on the beats that uh, they know work commercially, but it's not necessarily good. I mean, I, I, I like it most of the time, but it's not. Um, it's it, it's more more the same rather than uh, something new and sort of thought out. And and, and this movie, I think, uh, did focus on getting its moments um, moments right. So uh, it's a reason why I think it has endured. Uh, well, well, well. Uh, as for availability, then for a while it was hard to see the film, the film uncut and subtitled, as the Hong Kong imported DVD left a lot to be desired. It was in great quality, and uh, I don't think it stayed in circulation forever and ever. Uh, thankfully, it had two. Actually, it had one of those very early DVDs from uh, Cinema Print with burned-in subtitles, and then a new DVD with. Uh, new subtitles, but uh, the, the print was quite murky and foggy, as a matter of fact. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention, it's one of the few 
of these types of movies where you where you see the wires attached to the actors. Uh, there's a couple of sequences where you really see the wires, and that was rare in these movies. Uh, Mich- at one point, uh, uh, Mich- uh, Michelle Yeoh and Jet Li are coming down from from high up above, and uh, you they haven't been able to uh, to. Uh, match the wires with uh, the cloudy skies but considering how few times you saw the wires in these movies and uh, they didn't have wire removal at this time mm-hmm. it's really a testament to how well they hid these things uh, i think the commentary states that sometimes the cinematographers put a little bit of gel on the camera lens to help obscure the uh, ah. the, the wire so they, they they knew some physical tricks uh, there yeah so i'm, I'm also uh, i always admire that because um it must be hard, and those wires need to be good, so you can't make like thin wires to hide or anything. <laughs> hide so. them from a fishing line. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, you just jump down X amount of feet, uh, but um, the main thing is we don't uh, we don't see it. But uh, if you don't do it right, you'll end up as lumshinging in painted faces, uh, taking a taking a bump. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thankfully availability uh, was resolved eventually through a special edition uncut DVD release from Dragon Dynasty that was released both in the US and the UK. And there's also a Blu-ray edition edition of that release, but I uh, can't comment on uh, its quality because I went for uh, the UK DVD, the Cinesia DVD, that is the Dragon Dynasty DVD in terms of content. The Cantonese mono option... It sounded a little bit iffy at points. It suggested that it's like a down mix of the surround remix. It had some louder, newish type of effects that stood out, but overall it was okay. It it uh, it's sort of like yeah, I don't think that's uh, I think that's new, but I'm I'm too old to be annoyed by occasional stuff. Uh, we we discussed it on Twitter a couple of persons. I'm more annoyed when ninety minutes are covered with constant new fighting foley effects and new music you know what i mean like when it's mm-hmm. everywhere but here it's like no there's no new music some new uh newish effects and it's fine yeah i think the biggest offender of that and it was one of the titles i had defended a lot because it was it was a one of my favorite kung fu films was uh warriors 2 that had like all these new sounds and you had no option uh, either or the option was just a. Uh, remix uh, in mono form in one channel form and that's not good enough over both like the cantonese and english dub came with this and it's like man for such an amazing film oh you could watch it but it's just one of those things every sound it just reminds you that was never there originally and there's copies of this out there that doesn't have these almost dragon ball z sound effects thrown in there for dramatic effect but back then i don't think uh, companies had enough staff or enough fan know-how to be able they weren't able to ask for the right things or weren't able to uh, to stand up against these companies and say no this isn't mono this sounds like the surround sound we're in a different era now where eureka and 88 films and the likes they've educated themselves so taking uh, feedback from fans in terms of what to listen for and what to ask for and therefore the quality control on blu-ray releases of uh, vintage hong kong movies is is much better in 2021 Mm -hmm. and warriors 2 is a great example because someone really must eye that i mean i have some insight into stuff but i don't know about warriors 2 nor protocol sound but i'm just thinking that's a great two pack in the making and finally someone can sort of set uh, the record straight on warriors 2 and present uh, present it as it should 
sound. And the reason I mentioned Tupac because it it's in Protocol Sun is the younger version of uh, the Lung Jan character. In Warriors Two is the older version of the, right. uh, the Lung Jan character. So mm-hmm. so you have like two Wing Chun movies. Uh, you can do a, a double pack there, uh, Summer Hong double double pack. And uh, once you get that reissue out, because I'm sure it will happen. Yeah, the way it's going now, it kind of looks like all the films we collected on DVD like 10, 15 years ago are coming around again, yeah. just on this shiny new Blu-ray formats. With new supplements and uh, and uh, good uh, good context and so forth. I mean, I, I just got the one on Boxer Blu-ray and I've had that for a while, but uh, that's going to provide some new context that I didn't uh, know about. And it's a great movie. I love one on Boxer. So uh, um, so yeah, it's a good time. So um, uh, Tai Chi Master, who knows? It might get an upgrade from the current Blu-ray, but um, it's still out there. And the prices, I've got to mention, it, it, they didn't, it didn't cost like £30 for a Blu-ray. And I think it was very, very cheap. So. Ah, they're quite reasonable still. Exactly. and uh, Which is not a given with, uh, with uh, UK releases of uh, Hong Kong movies, whether Hong Kong Legends or otherwise. But um, this one is, um, is okay. Uh, so that's it. Thank you, Stuart. We don't do this enough, but we're, we're both busy and uh, life takes uh, away some energy as well. But uh, obviously, I like to uh, get you on here uh, every now and again to uh, relive uh, old times, uh, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, talking to each other as we did in 2000 and, uh, 2008, uh, starting out in 2008 or seven. I forgot. <laughs> it was a while ago yeah exactly I, I for, i've forgotten to the point where i don't know when to celebrate it when when the day is when the month is or anything uh but uh it doesn't matter to me uh, really uh, it's just fun to keep this uh, train rolling and to watch you uh keep uh keep other podcasts uh, going uh, like you uh, you don't sit on uh, creative instincts uh you sit there like uh, drinking beer with tom over zoom or over skype we must record this. <laughs> and then you cr- create a program out of it. Then you create a structure out of it. Then you, then you create a show out of it, uh, which is really cool to see. So uh, you, uh, you took uh, your, um, your passions to creative uh, levels. Yeah, I don't sit still for long. That, that seems to be the thing. You've always been better at, um, well, uh, we've we got to capitalize on what we've created. So much, 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 merchandise, <laughs> merchandise. Uh, I've never had the energy to do that. It's just my, in. I'm not lazy, but I don't have the energy to sort of look into uh, how, how to create like mugs or t-shirts. But you always had that drive. You, uh, you, uh, you got some merch uh, going back in the day and still perhaps. Yeah, that's it. Even if it was just stickers, for God's sake. But these things still pop up. Even like, I've, I've moved house maybe twice, three times now since starting like Podcast on Fire way back when. And even if I'm unpacking boxes and I find a little book of stickers, <laughs> it's like <laughs> all these little Podcast on Fire stickers. Like, what, what is this? This week in Slay's condoms? What the? <laughs> why did you can send me that? I can get my own. That's why I ended up with two children. I'm not using <laughs> these again. <laughs> Oh boy, have you done any log logs uh, match? I mean, uh, you're not opening your own brewery, I know that. But no, uh... we've spoke about it, we've joked about uh, what what we could do, but we've went as far as maybe getting personalised beer mats and cool. uh, some nice vinyl stickers. But we're not selling any; we're just trying to find nice, creative ways to give them away. We done a competition where we gave away four tins of beer, and we had it wrapped in like wallpaper. That was like the podcast artwork wrapping paper 
and I've, I've filled that full of beer mats and stickers for the person that gets it. So we could get little pictures. Like we have like the mutual friend uh, David Lamb. We send him beer mats. So it's like right, kind of pin it on the calendar. Right, we've got the cal- calendar. No, like the atlas. We've got one over here. We've got one over there. I think we threw some at you. Yes, I got a beer mat, and that makes sense because I'm not a drinker. So I, I have a beer. I have a beer mat, but I won't be having beer on it. Put your mug of tea on it. Yes. Or like, or like my ashtray for my weed or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, just put that down on top of me and Tom's face. Okay, buddy, let's uh, finish this one off for all the Podcast on Fire network needs. Go to podcastonfire.com, relevant links, including social media links and uh, whatever we talked about that deserves a link uh, goes into the show post for the episode of Tai Chi Masters. I'm going to keep it short and uh, let you uh, plug the log logs uh, once more for a little URL out to the people. Sure. Uh, it is simply thelagalogs.com. It takes you to the website where we host all of our episodes and links to our social media. But if you just type the Lagalogs into Twitter or Instagram, boom, first thing that comes up, we're easily found. And rather than plugging anything else, I just want to take a minute and just thank Ken, like just for the terrific job that you're still doing with Podcast on Fire. I said still there, like it's a chore, like, oh, you're still here. Good for you. But no, the, the levels that you've taken this show on, I, I subscribe to it, obviously. But when listening to episodes with you and Tom or you and Paul and you and Phil, it's just like, man, this. if I wasn't like the guy that kind of kicked things off, then buggered off, I would be like still a genuine fan subscribing to this, listening to the episodes like, Sure, I don't listen to every episode, but if it's a film I've seen, something I'm interested in, starring someone that I'm interested in, I'll listen to the start to finish. You said yourself, the production value put behind it, it's just, it's top tier. And Ken, you do an excellent job with this show and this network. And I just want to make sure you got that praise from me today. Well, I'm Scandinavian. I'm entirely uncomfortable now after all these uh, <laughs> kind words. Well, thank you very much. I mean, you 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 were a great springboard, and uh, without without you, I wouldn't be here. But I will acknowledge that you know ideas have come to me that I've acted on as well and taken in, in into a direction that I'd like to. You know, the the general rule is that what what I like to hear is what ends up on the show in terms of content and uh, context and research and so forth and i enjoy doing it make no mistake about it and here's the here's the dull part this is work this is not the fun necessarily mm-hmm. but well i should rephrase that prepping a show is work doing yes. it is fun but but some total of it all is it's work and it's the only reason it, it ends up at a quality where people uh, appreciate it uh, like yourself and uh, it's it's incredibly gratifying to hear that uh, anything that we created in our little bubble here actually reaches someone the only reason it does is because we put work into it and we try to make sure it sounds and feels right uh, but um, that's uh, uh, it's very good that it does because uh, we we we, uh, we we don't want it to feel uh, stuffy necessarily. Uh, we we would like to come at it with facts, but also make it fun and energetic and approachable and um, you know general listening to a degree. And uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. we're on we're on a good path, even when we're making daft things like uh, let's do an audio commentary for a hardcore pornographic film, which <laughs> we did. And we looked at together and uh, were disgusted uh, by 
together, me and Joshua, because yeah. those hardcore pornographic scenes in that sort of hopping vampire type of film looked uh, disgusting. It was gross. So whenever, whenever a big peepee came to a screen, it was like, oh, <laughs> no. Oh. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not sexy. But, but yeah, we did a research audio commentary on the hardcore pornographic movie Mindfuck. If anyone picked that movie up for reals, there, there's an actual commentary that's sort of serious uh, to go along with it. But uh, that's, that's not going to happen. But uh, you're very kind to it. And uh, whenever we get to do this, it's, uh, it's always so much fun. And you, you're, you still have the touch in terms of uh, responding to the, the sort of unspoken podcast requirement of discussing movies. Like you still have the touch. You still provide an analysis of the highest order and uh, happy to do it. We should do it again. Definitely, that's it. My life's gotten a lot more settled now. Like there was some upheaval for a few years, so there was never a kind of the ideal time or place to kind of like get zen, do a podcast, watch it, and just kind of feel organised. But I feel now, now more than ever, I'm kind of more settled, more organised. So I'll definitely respond more in the future. I won't just read your message on Messenger and then close the window. <laughs> You, you, you're saying that like uh, I've made that into a thing like you always respond for heaven's sake so it's not I'm like... just going to mute you for 24 hours and then we're gold uh, but maybe heck maybe we'll do uh, maybe we'll do Wing, Wing Chun next or something like that like, uh, keep the Yumbo Pink train going and see how Michelle and Donnie get on together in a movie so uh, pre Ip Man and all of that so uh, but uh, again, thanks to us for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up uh, very soon. But in the meantime, this has been podcast on fire on the Tai Chi Monster, and I've been Kenny B. And Stuart Sutherland is now going to take us out humorously. Uh, <laughs> Stuart Sutherland has now been put on the spot. Uh, thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, tune in, leave reviews, help this guy out on Apple, whatever they name their podcast brand now. If you love this show and you haven't reviewed it already, fucking do it. Love y'all. Cheerio.